Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey. And today I am interviewing a friend of mine that I have been wanting to have this discussion with on the podcast from the beginning of the podcast, but I just never got around to it. So I'm excited to introduce you guys to Emily Hill. Emily is a connoisseur of all things health and wellness for the better part of the last two decades. She is a lifelong competitive athlete and mother of four home birthed babies. Some achievements include certifications in massage therapy, nutritional counseling, yoga instruction, personal training, as well as over 15 years working as a health and wellness practitioner in a variety of settings. She has given multiple presentations on nutrition, holistic living, and supplementation. Emily works currently works as a holistic nutritionist at AUM Integral Wellness in Dallas. It specializes in enhancing natural self-healing capacities through integrated therapeutic methods. So Emily, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give some backstory real fast because we were chatting a little bit about this before we pressed record Um, that I first met Emily. I mean, this was probably a good 14 years ago um, back when I didn't know anything about alternative healing supplements, none of that. Like the only supplement I'd ever taken was a prenatal vitamin when I was pregnant with my daughter. And so, you know, that was all new to me. So Emily was crunchy before I ever knew (laughs) what crunchy granola mom life was. And I was just so fascinated by her because you can tell, like you can look at her and you don't see her right now, but she just radiates health and wellness and always has. And so it was very intriguing to me. And then we kind of reconnected, I guess, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, and she's still living that holistic lifestyle. And so I just, that's a little backstory. And I just think I I want her to share a little bit about her journey in holistic living, holistic health, what that looks like for her. And so we're just going to have a fun conversation and get to know Emily. So I guess, Emily, I'll ask, how did you even get started being a crunchy mom? Or how did you get started into this whole world of wellness that you have been in, like you said, for over two decades or almost two decades? Yeah, um, it's funny to, I remember the first time being called crunchy, I was like, crunchy, what's that? And I looked it up and I'm like, dang, I am crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it started because of a massage therapist I had met who helped identify and correct some issues that I was having. I think it's pretty well accepted at this point that we store trauma in our physical bodies. And at that point, you know, I had I'd gone through being raped as a 14 year old. And then my brother was murdered when I was 18. And so I was kind of a mess in terms of having some mysterious physical pains. And so I'd gone to the ER a few times and doctors and been further traumatized by some of the diagnostic things that they used. And I went to this massage therapist 
Susan, and she goes, oh, your ileocecal valve is stuck open, and that's why you're having pain here, and here, I'm just going to do this, and I mean, she literally fixed me. It was like, and, and, and she gave me tools, you know, to kind of process that trauma and so forth, and that was really what opened my eyes to alternative medicine, and that was before I got pregnant with my first daughter, and when I got pregnant with her, it kind of brought it to a whole new level. I was like, okay, I got to figure, you know, I got to make sure I'm eating all the right stuff, taking the right supplements. And um, about 36 weeks into that pregnancy, after doing massive amounts of research about different options and so forth, I thought, mm, I'm going to have her at home. <laughs> so as a 19, I think it was 19 at that point in time, Wow. Um, I decided to have Maddie at home and then, you know, proceeded to have all my other babies at home. Although the last one I did have a hospital experience after a prolonged labor, it was a great story. I still, you know, did it without pain meds for some stupid reason, but, um, <laughs> you know, I draw from that experience for sure. And yeah. And then raising kids, of course, you know, just wanting to make sure they have the healthiest options and, um, and that, you know, that really, by that time I was, I was deep into the health and wellness world, having worked for you know, a naturopath at that point. And then I went on to work for a couple of different chiropractors and. Yeah. So what was your first certification that you got? Was it, it was after you had Maddie or during that time or what, what led to that? So I was working at a, a place called the North Texas wellness center, they're naturopaths and they have a lot of really cool therapies and different things that I have not really seen many other places. I just wanted to be able to do more in the office. I just loved what they were doing. And so I actually got my massage, ther massage therapy certification alongside my nutrition certification. I guess that was in 2009, October of 2009. And then shortly thereafter, I got my um, personal training certification because I was hired by Lifetime Fitness to teach nutrition. They changed corporate policy and they were like, um, actually, we need you to do personal training. And I was like, oh, what the heck? So I got that one. But really, it was years later as I went through, you know, professional CrossFit training for about five years that I really learned how to, you know, how to work out. And like, I learned so much more from that than I even did going through the personal trainer certification. So um, those were my first ones. And then I added yoga teacher training about... Oh, I guess that was two years ago now. Um, but I did that one for personal reasons. I never really intended to teach, though I have done some group fitness instruction. Um, that was more just kind of for the journey I was going through at the time. I just felt like it would be pretty helpful. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've heard that from a, a lot of different people. They do yoga teacher training, not so much to teach it, but just because it's such a good, intense way to deepen your practice and, and heal in a lot of ways too, right? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've done yoga or practiced yoga for over 10 years, but I just, I knew the benefits I got from practicing. So I just, the deeper dive definitely mm -hmm. served for my journey. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier about trauma being stored in the body, I think that that's so important because Yes, that is very well known, but it's not, you know, no. um, I mean, like I, I feel it, I sense it, I can, but it wasn't until I started listening to trauma specialists that I was like, oh yeah, like that, that is a real thing. And so that's interesting that maybe let's go back to that. Um, 
sure. Especially because that, that ties in with the yoga and with all forms of movement, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, what I love about yoga is it's, you're able to go into your own body and, you know, kind of identify where you're holding on to things or where you have pain or something else. And it gives you actual tools that to kind of work through that. So I don't, I don't know anything else really like that type of specific movement where it does, you know, bring in the mind, body, spirit connection. Mm-hmm. And different moves target different parts of the body and different acupressure points and all of that too. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of schools of belief that, you know, if you have issues that come up in, let's say your liver, your kidneys or your lungs, it's all related to, you know, different emotions that you might be kind of out of balance with. So, and I think there's, you know, I think there's wisdom to a lot of these different ancient schools of thought for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, we have so many wonderful things in the modern world, but I always say, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We also have lots of years of these other things that are helpful for people. Like I remember taking my youngest to um, acupuncture when he was really struggling with all of his respiratory issues. And I remember her asking me, well, what was going on when, what was going on in your health when he was conceived? And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? But then looking back, I I actually, I had bronchitis and I was sick and I was on meds and it's like, so it's just kind of interesting that so many different um, ancient forms of healing or whatever you want to call tie everything together, that everything is connected. We stopped doing that for a while in our modern traditional you know, allopathic medicine, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then now it seems like that's all coming back around full circle, right? Like now we're starting to see the interconnectedness with the trauma and the, yeah. So that's really interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. It's um, actually the practice I work with in Dallas right now. It's called um, Integral Wellness and they are, you know, leading the way when it comes to trauma informed therapies and combining mind body stuff with nutrition, with traditional, more traditional types of therapies. I mean, it's really, it's pretty cutting edge and pretty exciting that there is something like that out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super exciting. And I, maybe that I'm going to have to pick your brain on that in a second, but first I will ask you, so just because you've been in this world of nutrition and, and you, I mean, there's so many trends, right. And it changes yeah. all the time. So for you, what are your most basic, like favorite health hacks that these are things that you include every single day, because you know that it makes a difference in your health. So my favorite health hacks are, um, eating the rainbow, you know, just eating as met as much produce, as much variety of produce as possible. You know, I think that covers a lot of bases. It gives you a lot of nutrients, reduces, you know, the risk of having nutritional deficiencies and it's fun <laughs> it's, and it's pretty, it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I love smoothies. I think they're just a great way to get, you know, a good nutrient dense meal in. I like to switch up the greens that I put in the smoothie because there's so many great greens that you can add. If you added all the greens to one, it would probably be kind of nasty and swampy. So, you know, just switching up the greens with, you know, every time I go to the store, I'll just get a different type of greens to add to smoothies. I like that. And That's adding a good tip. sprouts, um, mm. you know, like broccoli sprouts are really pretty awesome. They're high in sulforaphane, which helps prevent cancers. 
switching it up, eat the rainbow. Uh, I love making huge salads and just throwing in whatever I have, you know, leftover veggies from the night before, olives, you know, just lots of, just the more the merrier, really. And they're so satisfying and filling. I do take supplements. I, I switch it up. I guess there's, you know, there's some that have kind of stayed the course. Mm -hmm. um, but just depending on what I'm addressing at the time, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good and consistent about taking different things. And then of course, movement. Movement is, mm -hmm. is definitely a key health hack. I mean, we just, we were not meant to sit and do nothing. And if you yep. do, you will feel like crap, <laughs> no yep. matter how healthy you eat. So you gotta, you gotta move intentionally, consistently, and, you know, in a way that serves you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it changes, you know, different, we were talking about this before too, different seasons call for different things and different, there are different types of movement that I like. I mean, even depending on the time of month it is, you know, like there are certain things that I love over other things. So I think that's, a, that's a really good point of doing what serves you and what works for you at the stage yeah. that you're in. Yeah. So I want to know what, since you have been studying this stuff for so long, <laughs> um, I want to gain some just wisdom and insight from you. What have you learned from studying nutrition and health? Because it seems to change a lot, but not really. So maybe go into that. One thing I've learned is that people can be so dang dogmatic about nutrition. You know, people get very, there's a lot of emotional connection about what we eat and perceived judgments. And, and I used to be the same way, you know, I would hear, I would learn about the, the newest, latest and greatest, and I get all hyped up and I'd get, you know, go down that bunny trail, but inevitably it was, you know, I mean, for me, I didn't have any major obstacles to overcome. Like I didn't have excess weight and I didn't have health conditions or anything like that. So, and, and I like to try everything. I like to, you know, understand. So I kind of do it myself. I've learned that there's no one. all. something might serve someone, but it's not going to serve another person. We are all so unique and we have different needs, different genetic predispositions, different environmental upbringings. So there's just no one size fits all. You cannot tell everybody that they need to eat keto or they need to intermittent fast or every, I mean, it's just that drives me bananas. And I've, you know, I've, <laughs> um, and you have to master yourself. Like you have to learn yourself. You have to be willing to kind of detach from certain beliefs and just be the observer. Like, how does this, how does this food affect how I feel? How does it affect my energy levels, sleep, you know, whatever your digestion is a really good indicator. Um, and let's see, and really the, in order to make healthy changes, you really need to change your thinking. Um, you know, taste is built on habit. It's, it's not like we're born like, oh, I like this. I like, you don't like this. Like you can acquire tastes. And actually people that start eating healthy, they don't want unhealthy foods because they're not appealing. I mean, I, I used to love some McDonald's French fries and apple pies when I was a kid, but 
now I smell it and it makes my stomach turn because my body is so attuned to what is good for it that it actually gives me indicators. That is such a good point that, that we have stopped tuning into what our bodies need. And I wonder if part of that does go back to even trauma, you know, or, or th- trauma that we've experienced that we store in our body. And so we don't know our bodies the way we need to know our bodies yes. and like to tie all that together. And we sometimes, you know, we eat for this comfort. We eat for a vagal nerve stimulation. A lot of times, you know, just like chewing how it stimulates the vagus nerve makes us feel better, but we don't realize anyway, it's just interesting that you mentioned that because there are things that I've gone back to like childhood foods that I've liked or that I liked in the past. And I have now, and I'm like, Oh, this is horrible. Like I, I it tastes like chemicals and sickness to me. <laughs> You know, and it's, it's taken a long time to get there anyway. Okay. So you were talking about mastering, mastering yourself. So you can go back. You're absolutely right. You know, making that connection between the trauma and everything else. But yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that there's no one size fits all diets are crap. I mean, the first it's starts with the word die. It's lifestyle. you just have to, you know, you just have to make a choice and follow through with action steps. And if you need help, reach out to someone like you or me, or, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can help guide you into making lifestyle changes. There's nothing wrong with, you know, athletes need coaches, like we're, yeah. we need each other. You know, if you're not, if you're not like interested in just totally geeking out on nutrition health, then don't do it. <laughs> I mean, there's way too much information out there. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel bad for, just the general layperson who doesn't necessarily have interest in it, but is trying to figure out what's real and right, because mm-hmm. you go to PubMed and find a study to support whatever the heck you want to believe. No, totally. And there's so much back and forth and, and we can even get into that a little bit, but even like you bring up the subject of keto, which I've had lots of keto people on the show talking about how, you know, it was designed for epilepsy and it was used as a therapeutic tool. And for some people, even now it it works great for some people. It's not for a lot of people, it's not sustainable, you know, long-term the benefits weigh quite a bit. I mean, I know somebody who did keto twice and got pancreatitis from it. I mean, it's just. Right. mm. We, we just go for these extremes and that might be another interesting thing to touch on is we're so, we have such a tendency to go for these extremes when there are small little things we can do along the way. And, and we don't have to stress our bodies out so much by stressing about what we're eating or what we're not eating or, you know, and and that's stuff you already mentioned, you know, but, but what are some of your nutrition, like, like pinnacles, right? Like, what are the things that you stand by? I would love, I mean, I guess you already said eating the rainbow, um, is, is a big one, but, um, is there anything else that you've, that might be controversial that you've just felt like this is something that really we should all embrace in some spectrum? I think um, water is a huge thing that people don't think about necessarily. You know, I've multiple times over the years invested in, you know, what I believed at that particular time was the best water purification system just to avoid drinking out of plastic to make sure, I mean, cause it is, it's so important. Your water is so important. And yes, you know, the, the, the plant strong thing, I just, the more, the more time goes on, the more I just realize that 
produce is where it's at. Don't be afraid of bananas and potatoes and like that's just hogwash. If it comes from the ground, it's way more sound. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I like that. Yeah, I no, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> we got to write that down. That might even be the show name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But really, but yeah, like that's the thing is we're told to be scared of bananas because they have too much sugar or be scared of potatoes because of the glycemic index. And that's, those are the kinds of things that people would look up or Google or try to figure out, you know, how do I regulate my blood sugar naturally? How do I, you know, um, help reduce my cravings. And they will say, don't eat bananas, don't eat potatoes. Right. Like those are two, but these are like, they come from the ground. They come from the earth. How, how do we get to that point when we'd rather eat a processed bar with erythritol or whatever in it over something that is natural, you know? Yep. And that's another thing, like, let your body be your guide. How do you feel after you eat some, you know, potatoes with herbs and different things and and a banana? I mean, you know, there's, of course, different people have, you know, different food sensitivities and so forth. And that's not, that's not based on the health of the food itself. That's based on the person's body's response. And those can develop over time. Yeah, no, totally. And there are a lot of people that are against plant foods and things for the lectins and all of that. Have you, what is your solution to that issue? Like the whole lectins being dangerous for our gut health and where do you go with that? Um, okay. So I was just listening to something on, on the lectin issue. If I understood it correctly, cooking and soaking and sprouting has an effect on the lectin. So it's just like studying potatoes for glycemic index, right? So are we studying an uncooked, unseasoned potato? Because who on earth eats, <laughs> eats a potato that doesn't have maybe a little bit of oil and other things? And we all know that oil slows the uptake of, you know, glucose and, and all that sort of thing. So the spike isn't what's demonstrated in the study. So I, again, if it comes from the ground, I think it's more sound. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's a good theme, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's, it's, yeah, I agree. Now, what are your thoughts on grains? Because, you know, that's, that's another tricky one. Is it about the pesticides? Yeah. Is it about like the folic acid that they're adding to all of the gluten and, and enriched yeah. you know, flour and everything, um, or that they're enriching it with what, what are, where do you go with grains? Yeah, so I think it depends on the grain, um, but we kind of is in a standalone category, it seems like. Um, I, I actually had to get off gluten this year. I was having some really intense, mysterious rashes that I thought was everything from a super fungus to skate. I just like, I did not know what this was. And it just hit me one day. I was like, I'm reacting to something I'm eating. And um, gluten was one thing that seemed like it really helped popcorn was one of the top things that I was reacting to, which I thought was strange because, huh. you know, popcorn's not unhealthy and organic popcorn mm-hmm. and probably some coconut oil and butter or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily unhealthy. In fact, it has a lot of antioxidants in it. Um, so yes, the, the gluten thing and the wheat thing, there definitely seem to be a lot of factors there. I think the folic acid for a lot of people, you know, obviously with the MTHFR gene mutation being kind of a hyped up thing and well not a hyped up thing I mean it's a thing like people Mm -hmm. are having those genetic mutations and variances that are affecting their ability to convert folic acid into folate that's gosh that's a whole nother rabbit trail but 
and then the pesticides <laughs> and then you know the evolution of the wheat um, plant over time you know there's people's obviously there's some issues there because there's a lot of people that are that react negatively to gluten and some people would argue that everybody has a negative and inflammatory response to gluten you know what? And that's interesting. Cause I remember this was back when I was going to, I, and the guy that present, there's a, somebody that presented that gluten is great and wonderful and everybody should have it. And then another, you know, they're giving us all sides. And then another guy came in and it was the guy that wrote the book, wheat belly cannot remember his name. Anyway, he said that there were studies, there have been studies done. And as far back as the 1960s patients, in mental institutions suffering from really bad schizophrenia, when they took them off of gluten, their episodes went away. And this was like way, way back. I think we were messing around with wheat back then, like changing it up and mutating it and doing all the things, but not to the extent that it is now. And even back then they saw a difference. Wow. And isn't that crazy? So there is something to that. But, but like going back to, there's no one size fits all, like, is everybody going to be reacting negative, negatively to gluten right now? I don't know. Like in some ways it could be corn, you know, corn is just as much, um, mutated and processed and well, GMO, sprayed. Yes. Right. Yeah. The GMO. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Corn, you know, it's kind of yeah. a whole different story. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely guilty of eating a lot of corn these last few months, but I, again, I haven't noticed any negative effects. If it doesn't bother you. Yeah. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. corn, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, that's good. And so, so you are, again, it goes back to what works for you. Um, cause that's, I'm right now I've got some, can't figure out if it's perimenopause, which very well likely could be, or if it's just, I've been, I've been having major rosacea flares. So there's some liver. I know I for sure have some liver stuff going on. Okay. That's always fun. And so I know I need to give my liver a break with what I'm eating and what I'm, but it's just always a mystery, you know, to know like, what is the cause here? Um, and we've had lots of people talking about toxin overload and giving your liver a break. What do you do to support liver health? Maybe that would be a good question. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I actually bought a book all about liver health recently, you know, kind of in my own self-diagnosis process Mm -hmm. this year. But um, I think one of the biggest things is eating a lot of produce and eating, reducing the amount of animal products and fat and just giving it a break and also doing, um, you know, there are some people that really believe that viruses um, impact our liver and, you know, everybody's, Mm. we're all just walking microbiomes full Mm -hmm. of bacteria and viruses and everything else. You know, we're more, you know, more microbe than we are human cells. So, um, so just really trying to reduce your viral load and that has a huge impact on the liver. Mm. Um, but yeah, just taking as much digestive pressure off the liver as possible. And there's some great herbs and things out there as well that you can use to support a uh, castor oil compress. That's simple and, and very effective. Um, you know, moving your blood, drinking a lot of water, reducing alcohol intake, um, lots of, lots of great options for the liver but definitely reducing what you're asking the liver to do, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Cause our livers do a lot for us. <laughs> they they really do. And yeah. And I know, um, I was talking to somebody else recently and that, that was one of the things they mentioned is that animal products, and maybe we can get into that now. This would be a good, oh, here we go. this is controversial. Cause you know, I'm a big fan of the animal protein and mm-hmm. I've been talking about that for a while and fat as well. Healthy fat, just for me, mental health wise, it has been very good for me. But then I was talking to Emily recently and I, she seems to be like, not as much on the animal protein train. And so I'd love to know what, what, what are your thoughts? Where did this come from? And like, are you a vegan? Are you like, what are you doing? (laughs) Moment of truth is here. All right. Well, first of all, I'm curious, was meat something you added in or were you always eating meat and you just changed the type of meat you ate? I never, I, I've never been a big meat lover. And so I added in uh, grass-fed beef. That was kind of my first. And I changed the quality of my meat to adding in the healthier meats. And it definitely made a difference in how I felt and how my brain, and I think it's a lot of it's B vitamins. I'm predisposed to being really low in B vitamins and and I, yeah, so that was kind of the thing, but then I do think, you know, my liver is struggling with some overload. And so I thought, well, maybe I could play around with going the other direction. I don't know. So, yeah. So tell me what, where you've been, cause I know you're a big Weston A price person or you were in the past and they are all about the eggs and the beef, Oh, every liver, butter, butter, lots of butter. Yeah. All the animals and all the fat. Yes. So, um, I, in fact, I used to sell eggs at the farmer's market. And I had a really successful raw milk egg co-op for a while until I felt like it was flirting too much with the line of legality and I shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> around the time I started having the rashes, I just kind of, I just kind of naturally, I'd already eliminated chicken. I'd eliminate, I never really ate pork aside from a phase where I ate a lot of bacon because I thought it was a health food because of what I was learning at that time. Um, so I kind of quit eating meat because I wondered if that was contributing to the crazy amount of rashes I was having. I was also kind of analyzing different strategies for keeping myself as healthy as possible through this current time where everybody's hyper obsessed with not getting sick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just realized you know, number one, our, our livestock are the biggest recipients of pharmaceuticals in our country. So our animals are way more drugged up than we are. For sure. Additionally, the amount of like hormones that are present in the meat we eat, particularly after, as they're being slaughtered and releasing all sorts of, you know, chemicals that I certainly don't want in my body. Um, that was another thing. And this, this is the real rabbit, the real rabbit. I love it. No. Yeah. (laughs) I I love the processing. It makes sense. And then my, my daughter at that time was, I know you're a pastor's kid, so you'll love this, but, um, she was reading, uh, the gospel of the Holy 12, which is one of the, you know, supposed lost books of the Bible type of thing. And, and I listened to the whole thing on YouTube and then I immediately bought the book because I was like, huh, this there's, there's something to this in that book. It was like, don't eat the flesh of animals. Don't eat the flesh of animals. Don't eat the flesh of animals. And it spoke of, you know, health reasons and spiritual reasons. And if you think about like, we came from the garden of Eden, right? If you, if you believe in 
the God of the Bible. We came from the Garden of Eden. Man became separate from God. And then we started killing and consuming animals. So if we're now moving back toward the restoration of all things, you know, new earth, whatever, I just don't see that the slaughter and consumption of animals is going to be a part of that. All of those things kind of converged at one time. And I just, I I just lost my taste for it almost, almost in an Mm -hmm. instant. I had, you know, I had some testing done as I was going through trying to figure out why I was having these insane rashes. Like as far as body composition, health, like my body composition is literally exactly the same as when I quit eating meat. Now it was only, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe six months at this point. I, I definitely feel a lot better. My digestion is great. In fact, the first time I was ever tested at the wellness center um, where I didn't have inflammation in my GI tract was when I quit eating meat. And Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I was so afraid what they were going to tell me because I was like, I, there is no explanation for why I'm having all these rashes, but I went in and I basically got like the cleanest bill of health I've ever gotten from them. And, and then finally discovered the food sensitivity thing. And I've been, they've been working with me on that and I haven't had a rash now in months, but I literally just thought that I was going to get eaten alive by a super fungus or something. And it was really just my body reacting to food. So that's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Cause I've got, like I said, some mystery stuff going on for myself. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm open to listening to everything and, you know, and, and, and that's the thing too, is like, that's what I love about having a podcast is just hearing these different perspectives. Cause I've had people share all sorts of different dietary theories and nutritional yeah. philosophies. And, and it's so, it's all so different, but really at the end of the day, you have to find what works for you. And that's, what's working for you right now. And what's working for you right now is different from what worked for, for you five years ago or exactly. 10 years ago, but it's, it's still, but it's always that process of how can I, you know, think clearer, <laughs> be mm-hmm. present for the people in my life who need me and, and what we eat and what works for us food wise impacts all of that. Um, so that's super interesting. So what's a day, what's a day in the life then what's your daily, what do you eat in a day? Let's, let's go there. Day. Oh, it, it varies a lot. What I eat in a day. I have, uh, I usually do have a cup of coffee in the morning, just one cup. And I actually have my own special blend of ingredients that I make where it's, there's some lion's mane, mushrooms, L-theanine, um, cinnamon. And so I try and make it pretty healthy, you know, I usually have some oatmeal with chia, flax, honey, blueberries, maybe some nuts, usually have my workout after that. And then after my workout, then I'll try and have kind of like a meal meal, either, you know, maybe leftover chili from the day before or something like that. One of my favorite things are enchiladas. I love enchiladas with beans and rice and avocado, homemade pico. I definitely eat a lot, I feel. (laughs) I snack a lot too. So I try and eat as little processed food as possible. I would say that I most, I I likely eat too many tortilla chips and, (laughs) (laughs) and I love these crackers made of seeds. They're um, Mary's gone crackers. I love those. Yeah. I love the seaweed ones so much. I haven't had the seaweed ones. 
They're super good. You should totally try it. Oh, let's try that. Yeah. You mentioned you eat a lot, but I think that's important for people to hear because yeah. I think a lot of times we are not eating enough and we, as women, uh, men, uh, I don't know. I can't speak to men, but I know for women, we've got lots of stuff going on in our bodies at all times, hormones and cycle changing and all of that. We don't eat enough. So we're stressing our bodies out with that. Um, and you even mentioned intermittent fasting before. And I think that that's another thing that might work for some people might not work great for others, depending on the season, depending, you know, whatever. And then sometimes we stress our bodies out even more with workouts. And so we need to figure out how to, to minimize the stressors. So if we're not eating enough and if we're intermittent fasting and if we're working out too intensely during certain times of the month, like that can be super stressful on our bodies. And so I think it's important anyway, just to go back to what you said, you, you eat a lot. I think that's great because you also work out a lot. So it's, that's, that's, you know, you as as your body. To, not as much as I used to. I used to be in the gym two hours a day, five days a week doing very intense training. And that was during the time where I was more on the, on the keto train and bone broth and fat, fat, and more fat. And I actually had an incident during that time where I don't, I'm super stubborn and refused to go to the hospital. So I don't have a for sure diagnosis. It either was kidney related or it was uh, digestive, maybe uh, diverticulitis. It's still, you know, I was working with some of my natural doctor friends, but I never, I, I basically fasted myself out of that situation. I fasted for about six or seven days and, wow. um, you know, took a few weeks off of training, but was definitely eager to get back. So, you know, I was out of balance at that time and that's just what happened. You know, it was, it was too much focus on intense, super intense training and, you know, I'm sure too much fat and protein played a part in that as well. So, but in terms of, you know, eating a lot. Yeah. I eat a lot of like volume, but you know, produce is not very heavy in calories. So you can eat you, basically your heart's content of produce. Totally. You're not going to gain weight from that. I was just listening to a study about how eating chicken actually contributes to obesity. I was like, well, that's interesting. Well, and going back to, you know, the antibiotics um, and the hormones yeah. and I, I can't remember. Oh, and I'm going to get it confused. I know one of them cows and chicken, one has more of the other uh, antibiotics and hormones. Is it the cows that do the hormones, chickens do the antibiotics to fatten them up? Or is it the reverse? I don't remember right off the top of my head, but I don't either. <laughs> either way, they both have, they both are pumped full of antibiotics and hormones in order for them to gain weight. And so it just stands to reason, you know, the chicken breasts that we're eating are huge, massive, like genetically, I don't know, catastrophized. <laughs> folks, this ain't normal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what's your, what's your workout of, of choice these days? What are you doing? Um, as far as movement goes? Well, um, lifting heavy weights. I just love lifting heavy weights. It's barbell, you know, that barbell sort of weights. thing. And I pretty much alternate that with yoga. I did recently add some conditioning back in, uh, you know, ironically, cardio endurance is really my strength. I have a freakishly high VO2 max and just, <laughs> but, but I love weightlifting. So I do, I miss competing. I miss competing so much and just, it's more the training for the, the competition. I like goal oriented fitness. You know, I guess I'm just 
kind of a goal oriented person. I like having a plan and following through the plan and, and then testing the plan. And I, I'm going to have to add that back in. I just don't know. I just don't know what I want to do there. So yeah, we'll the weightlifting for women, I want to know more about this because this is something I've never been big on weights and I struggle with it. Um, I always do cardio or in the past, not so much. Now I always did cardio mostly, you know, just for weight loss reasons. That was my only reasoning, but I'm not good at cardio. <laughs> like I don't have the VO two max and it's not even genetically. If I, I did the genetic testing and cardio and me, like we just are not best friends. I'm supposed to be doing weights according to the genetic stuff I had done. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, but I've always shied away from it because I'm afraid to get bigger. So (laughs) that's what everybody says, right? So (laughs) talk to, because it's true though. Like if I do a little bit, like I can't show you my arms, I'm wearing a big sweatshirt right now, but I do a little bit and I flex and my husband's like, Whoa, Whoa, you're going to have bigger arms than me. And he's joking and whatever, but, but I do tend to see definition sooner. So what do you say for women like that, where everybody says we're not going to bulk up, but we see definition sooner and that's scary <laughs> for body image. Scary. Okay. So I will, I, first of all, before I started CrossFit training, I looked at these chicks and I was like, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like that. And then I started training and I was like, heck yes. I love this. Like I loved seeing, I remember the day that my traps were visible. I like sent a, all my friends. I was like, Oh my God, I have traps. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so I, I guess having your fitness aligned with your goals. So if you really don't want, you know, a really bulky look and you're genetically predisposed to, you know, bulking up, then, you know, maybe don't do that. But just because you lift weights and lift heavy weights doesn't mean that you're going to bulk up either. I mean, those bodybuilders work damn hard to get you know yeah Um, and you know my thighs and everything are definitely way thicker than they were when I was younger but I love it so I'm doing it and yeah and and I think that's a thing that women have to get past is it's like and for me, and this is, these are my own body image issues, right? When my thighs get bigger, I think that I'm gaining weight and maybe I am, I'm getting muscle weight, but it's just different. It's that mental switch that you have to make that it's like muscle weight is good weight, you know? And like, but in my, yeah, yeah, it does. Right. Metabolic engine by building muscle, which is ultimately going to slim you down. If you do the right things, all you got to do is go into a calorie deficit for a little bit and you'll burn through some of the excess fat and you'll have shape and muscle left over and muscle is a lot more dense and compressed than fat is. So, um, really, I think that it, it, give it a try, give it a try, give heavy weight with to try, see, see how you do, you know, I'll come, I'll come lift with you sometime. You can come lift with me and show you how to do it. Yeah, I, need I think lesson. that women need to lift because women need a constant reminder of how strong they are. And, you know, one of the things I got from my CrossFit coach that I'll never forget as long as I live is, you know, he goes pound for pound, a woman can be just as strong as a man. And I was like, I mean, that just, it just shifted my thinking. And, and I know he's, I know he's right. It's true. And just the hormones that are, you know, created in weightlifting and, and what it does to our hormones, it's so good for us. And women, as women, we have a huge benefit because like, 
um, if you do some research into female cycle phase training or something to that effect, you know, when we start our cycle, that's when we're actually our strongest. So, and it increases heard that. Density, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. lifts energy level, you know, reduces stress and anxiety and depression. It improves your posture, reduces injuries. I mean, just shifting your posture changes the way your body looks and the way that you're, you know, the way that you move and everything else. Um, and it improves confidence, strengthens your nervous system communication. I mean, there's, and it's just freaking fun, like to throw a barbell around. You just feel like a badass, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and there's also the, um, insulin sensitivity. You increase insulin yeah. sensitivity, right? Cause yeah. I know that's such a big issue for everybody right now is, is we're all growing more and more insulin resistant by the minute. And so that's, that's important. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, solid research that's showing that the animal consumption is contributing to that, which if you're eating something that's full of hormones and you got your own hormones and that's just a lot of chaos going on. So that is true. Yeah. Man, that's interesting. See, I, this is why I, I always love getting a different perspective and that's, mm -hmm. and I want people to hear this just because I, especially when we're talking about nutrition, right? Like we, yeah. and, and the dogma of it, right? We get so bogged down and you have to eat this way. And I was like that when I first started diving into nutrition, I was like, oh, well, this is the only way. And that's not true. Like there's so many different ways to eat that can be healthful for different people, different periods, different seasons, different times, all of that. And so I think that that like, you are causing me to question a lot of things that I believe about nutrition. And that's a good thing. I love that. I always want to be growing and expanding. And so that's why I'm excited that you brought that up. Same thing with movement, right? Like you can't just, you know, and I heard we had a psychiatrist on oh, months ago who said the same thing for mental health, right? Like you don't just go to the gym and work your triceps every day, all day. That's not how it works. <laughs> and so the same goes for food, for exercise, for mental health, what you do for your mental health. Like we should always be changing it up and doing different things um, to see what works best for us. And again, if that seems too exhausting for somebody listening, going, oh, I don't even want to try that. That's why there are people like us. And like, there's something like this podcast to get different ideas anyway. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, because we are, I think we're running out of time. I have no idea. I thought I pressed my time button. I don't know how much time has passed, but I'm pretty sure we're, we're getting to that time. So let me give you my final question is if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone towards wholeness, what would it be? I would say the biggest piece of advice I could give someone would be to learn yourself, learn what fuels you, learn what makes you feel good, you know, observe try and kind of try and detach as much as you can from what you think the right things are to eat and how to move and things like that. And, and just see what works best for you because, you know, everybody is so different that you really have to, you really have to hack yourself. I mean, there's people like us who can help and I can, you know, get you a $600 DNA test and, you know, do all these other things, but nobody's going to know you like you, but you do have to get to a place where you know what healthy feels like. Cause if you don't know what healthy feels like, you're not going to be able to figure out what's healthy. That's good. Not, but you, you have to get to that point. 
And whether you go through like a detox or you work with someone to just help, you know, to help you get to that place, then ultimately you'll be able to be the captain of your own ship from there. That's good. Yeah. And, and to know what healthy feels like a a lot of people don't. And so sometimes that takes just like one small change, one tiny little tweak here and there. That's what happened to me. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's really good. Okay. So where can people find you, work with you, reach out to you and your arm, is that how you pronounce it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, is the, um, practice I work with in Dallas and, um, I don't have, I, I don't really have a web and social presence when it comes to the coaching at this time. Um, but if anyone wants to work with me, they can reach out. Uh, my email is Emily Ann Lamberton at Gmail. And I'm on, you know, Facebook and Instagram at Emily Lamberton Hill, L-A-M-B-E-R-T-O-N. And I would be happy to help. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there might be somebody listening who's like, I just need to figure out how to lift heavy weights and what to do with that without, (laughs) without going into some kind of a, you know, weird headspace about it. Right. Cause I mean, and like you said, like, I think that as women, and this could be a whole other topic for a different day and it will have to be, but I think as women, we're maybe from an early age, it's not okay to feel strong or it's not okay to be strong, you know, um, it's just not, not the thing, unless you are in athletics and you are, you know, and then there's definitely an awesome tribe and community in that, in that realm. So some of us learn that, but not everybody does. And so I think that's why it's a scary thing. We're moving that way. And that's, that's the exciting part is, you know, women are realizing, you know what, you already are strong. So it's okay to embrace your strength and remind yourself of your strength by, you know, doing whatever type of fitness activity makes you feel strong. Weightlifting, I just, there's, I don't know, there's just something, there's just something to it for sure of all the things I've done that have, that specifically has reminded me of my, my strength and resilience. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on and just offering, just sharing your story and your journey and all the things you've learned, because I, it's, it's just fun to talk to somebody who's been doing this for so long and who's been investigating for so long. So I love that. So thank you for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So good to see you. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.